Welcome in, as Christopher Laud called it, the Chris Watkins Hour. We'll work on it. We'll workshop it. It's all right. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Joining me, I should mention, on the other side, uh, not on the other side, across from me, directly across from me, if you're watching on Sacktown Sports 1140 YouTube channel, you can check us out. Myself, my return of the roar, co-host Frankie Cardicelli, also heavy contributor to uh, the website, SacktownSports.com. You can read all of his Kings articles, game recaps, and uh, just general Kings thoughts over there at SacktownSports.com. We are coming to you on this Monday morning, and like this is, I mean, this is a true pleasure as we are joining you for the first time since the Kings and the Clippers had the game of this NBA season for sure, and dare I say, maybe the best Kings game I think I have ever seen in my lifetime. And granted, I'm 27, Frank, you're 28 years old, we we haven't been there since 1985 like the G-Man who... We'll, we'll also get to at some point in this show, but we've seen a lot, and I mean a lot of Kings games in our in our time as Kings fans here. I don't think I've ever seen any game as exciting as what we saw on Friday night, the double overtime special in LA, in the Crypto.com arena. I almost called it Crypto Center or whatever they, they call it nowadays. Yeah, it's always Staples. 176, 175 over the Los Angeles Clippers. Offense galore, tough shot making. You had you had all in that game. Does it did that win feel different than any any other game this season? And do you feel differently about the team after that coming out of that game? Yeah, I mean, I think you talk about signature wins, right? Yes, like the teams need signature wins, absolutely. And that was the one. That was one we're coming into the night of. You had a reloaded Clippers team. They have right. Paul George and Kawhi both healthy, which has been kind of a rare commodity for them this season. Very. They have Eric Gordon. Plumlee's in the fold now. Um, who else? Westbrook. I mean, Westbrook. that's Westbrook's, Westbrook's debut. It was Westbrook's debut. That was the right. story of the night. All these big names coming in to help round out a roster. That was already good. And I was telling J- Dave and Jason just a few minutes ago, going to that game, I wanted to see them compete. Yeah. I wasn't essentially looking for the Kings. If the Kings could have won, that's gravy. That's great. I would have loved it. And they needed to win when you look at how far things went in that game, Yeah, I don't think a loss would have sufficed at that point. I think that competing was great, but when you're 170 points on the night yeah. in double overtime, those guys, like, you... You left on, it all out there. On yeah. both sides, like, they're killing themselves to win that game. Yeah. And the Kings coming out on top, to me, is just so telling that this group is for real. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, you you mentioned it's a statement game. That's, that's the perfect way of putting it, because I think it's the type of game that we're going to look back. It, it answered so many questions... Um, I talked about it a bit on Saturday for, for in my Kings Weekly show, but you know it was just there were so many things stacked against them in that game. The fact that they were down by 13 in that fourth quarter, down by six in both overtimes with under two minutes to go, uh, that in itself is crazy. I think you know if you would have told me you, you mentioned that you know it, it kind of would have been disappointing if they lost. I was fully prepared, prepping for that sh- for my Saturday show to be like. You know, I don't believe in moral victories, but the fact that they were just able to continue to fight and claw through that game when they really had no business doing so, and in a game where you allow 153 points in regulation for defense to be the reason why they inevitably came back in that game, I think, again, like it's just such a statement and something that I will undoubtedly go back to and point back to as, hey, like I have doubts about this team. 
here's a real life, real example of them overcoming some real questions. I think especially, you know, uh, around the trade deadline, the talk of town was we have to get a backup center for Demonis Sabonis. We cannot survive if Demonis Sabonis or when Demonis Sabonis inevitably does find himself in foul trouble in a crucial clutch game. Well, what happened on Friday? Demonis Sabonis fouls out with, I think, three minutes to go in that first overtime segment. They go the final eight minutes of that game without Domas. Like, how, how would you have ever guessed that the Kings could have survived the final eight minutes of a neck-and-neck game without Demonis Sabonis? No, and when that happened, again, I mean, I, I resigned to the fact that the Kings lost. I mean, the fourth quarter when the game was a 13-point game. Yeah. I'm turning to my girlfriend watching. Ah, they gave it a good shot. Yep. Came back. And then when Domas fouled out, you just think, okay— his impact, you can't really put yeah. you know a value on it. Right. And with him out, Chemezi Metu, I mean, he's had good spurts this year, but to expect him to go out there and make a difference or kind of hold the fort down, it kind of is asking for a lot, especially against the Clippers who are loaded. I mean, they're one through five on the floor that night. We're just guys who have been in the playoffs countless times, countless experience. I mean, NBA Finals. I mean, yeah. there, there's so many years of experience on the floor, and Chemezi Metu is someone who's still kind of coming into his own. Definitely. It seemed like, okay, the game is done, but he stepped up. He, he had did. a couple of big possessions there. Um, even defending the inbound pass late yep. in the, I think in the double overtime, he really did a good job. Yeah, of he got a deflection them. right on the yeah, first one. In rebounding Shades of Ryan Hollins. Yeah, and, and, and uh, <laughs> of course he did kind of have a bad. He, he missed yeah. the box out on the free throw um, miss. Yes. Batum had that tip yeah. in, and uh, he got it back though. Mm-hmm. Had to go and tip in of his own. He he, he definitely was a perfect band aid yeah. over that kind of Domas foul trouble scenario, but. There are so many aspects of that game that are impressive, and, and one to me is the second night of a back-to-back. Right. I mean, throw that in as another hurdle. Second night of a back-to-back, and there's audio. I was re-watching the game on NBA TV. They played it all day, apparently. I was visiting my really? grandparents. And shout out to my grandparents, by the way. Uh, they're probably listening. Big I, shout out. I um, was watching the game over, and the Clippers broadcast, you could pick up Fox mm-hmm. talking to a fan courtside, and the guy was giving Fox some flack for missing one of those floaters that came up short in yeah. overtime. And Fox is like, man, we're on the second half of back-to-back. Yeah, like, legs are done. They, and you could tell they were Double done. overtime, yeah. You could see how worn down they all were. I mean, even the Clippers mm-hmm. stopped going to Kawhi late because he played the most minutes he played all year. Yeah. But De'Aaron Fox dug deep, hit big shots late, and that to me was the most impressive takeaway in that game was, sure, the scoring was great. It was incredible. Yeah. But the Sacramento Kings, on the road, on the second half of a back-to-back, came and played one of the most rested teams in the NBA. The Clippers hadn't played since the All-Star break. Yep. So that is such an impressive win to me. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, the second night of a back-to-back, the Kings have, have you know, they, they've really responded to, to uh, or they did, they did respond to, you know, being fatigued. They had built-in excuses left and right in that game, and for them to, to persevere was huge. You mentioned, you know, their, their ridiculous offense. We've gone five minutes here, and we haven't mentioned the guy who had the most explosive offense on that night, Malik Monk, 45 points in that game, 30 points. I, I did the math on this uh, the other day. 30 points in fourth quarter in the two overtime periods. We talk a lot about De'Aaron Fox being that guy in the clutch, and he he absolutely has been, and he had a couple clutch moments in that Clipper game, but Malik Monk was absolutely sensational in that game, and he really has been for the past 10 or 11 games or so, and especially since the All-Star break, he's came out incredibly hot. We've seen Malik be up and be down for this team at different points in this year. I mean, how how great – I mean, well, how important is it for Malik to play well if this team is going to be able to to play well against the teams like the Clippers in this league? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest problems with the Kings over the years, and they've missed the playoffs, as we know, for 
almost 20 years, 16 right. years. They have had good teams before with a good five. I mean, back to the Cousins days, they had teams with a good five. But having a good bench and beyond that yeah. is so important. And Malik Monk, those two games he was missed going into the break, I mean, the Kings really needed some yeah. bench scoring, especially against Phoenix, a game the Kings were in it late. They just were relying on their starters too much. Yep. What he's been able to do since coming back has been incredible. I mean, and look at what he did against the Clippers. To start, 16 points in the fourth quarter. He single. I don't want to say single-handedly because Fox had 10 points in the yeah. fourth as well, but those two Kentucky guys, and primarily Monk, are the reason why the Kings, number one, came back and got themselves in the game and in a position to win that game. Mm-hmm. But those big shots late in the game, those threes, those three-pointers, those are tough shots. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have that oh-no-oh-no oh, no, reaction when someone's taking a, a fall-away three, <laughs> just kind of pulling yeah. up. But Malik was knocking him down more times yeah. than not. And that, to me, is something that... Uh, you can't put a price on it. Yeah, definitely. That fallaway shot you're talking about was, I think it was uh, the Kings were down by four, and De'Aaron kind of just, you know, recognizes Malik as the trailer. He was open. I, uh, Kawhi was kind of sagging off a little. And, yeah, Malik takes a fallaway three pretty much for game. If he misses that shot and, and the Clippers score on the other end, they're up six. And, you know, the Kings have made made tons of comebacks that game. But um, there were so many times where it was like you, you mentioned you turn to your girlfriend and you're like, I think it's over. So many times where they were just – We've. It's not even the fact that it's the Kings and oh, they. We, I've seen them not like any NBA team. If they're down by six in overtime, it's done. It's over. It's over. It's on a five minute period on the road. Second night of a back to back. Throw in all of the the Demonis Sabonis not playing. All of that and the again like the Kings' biggest issue. If if you would have asked me before that game. What am I? What is like the nightmare scenario for the Kings? It's a game where a team like the Clippers, a team that is definitely has offensive weapons, but by no means is one of the most high power offenses in this league. They could not miss. They could not stop them. And if you're going to have a team that's not good at offense, shooting out of their minds. I mean, the shots Kawhi Leonard was. I think he hit 13 of his first 14 shots in that game. He was hitting fadeaways, turnarounds, contested threes, step-back threes. He was on another level. He was quite literally unstoppable. The Kings had no answer for him. And for them to be able to survive, really the Clippers' best punch. And that's what it really felt like, was the Kings were in a boxing match, and they were just taking haymakers to the dome. And it felt like one of these was just going to knock them out for the count. And they kept getting up and not only getting up, but they were, they found themselves and started hitting back and eventually kind of got the knockout blow with 36 seconds left for, for De'Aaron to, I mean, of course, you know, you shouldn't be surprised that De'Aaron's the one who, who inevitably hits the the shot that, that seals the game. But it, it was just absolutely incredible. What is there one thing? I mean, you know, we mentioned the Sabonis, we mentioned the, the monk, the back to back. What was it to you? That was really the most surprising part. I mean, Su- surprising or impressed? I mean, same thing. I'd say, I'd say, I will say surprised and impressed by the fact that the Kings just respond, respond yeah. to the runs, and they responded to runs again and again and again all game long. The Clippers were in control of yeah. that game. I mean, I'm looking at the game chart. I think the Kings didn't hold a lead, and I have it right here. I don't think they held the lead. They held the lead early in the game. Clippers led for the entire That's game. Crazy. If you look at the game chart on NBA.com, yeah. there's a lot of red where the Clippers are, and a little bit of. A little bit of purple at the mm-hmm. end where the Kings made their run. It just seemed as close as they would get in the fourth overtime, second overtime, they couldn't get over that hump. Yeah. Until De'Aaron's go ahead shot. Shot that ended up giving them giving them the win. So just responding to those runs against good teams 
is something that I really wanted to see from this team, and they've done yeah. that. They did that, and they also did that again. It's not the same thing against a Portland team that was missing a bunch of guys, but mm-hmm. going down big early, responding, that's big to me. Yeah. And while the Kings, that's an issue we'll talk about, I'm sure, later or yeah. another time, the, them getting off to slow starts, yep. they dig that. They, they were able to come back from 7, 6, 12, what have you, late in the game. But also another takeaway for me is the fact that I think this was the most three-point field goals a team has made in a game this year mm-hmm. and lost. Yeah. The Clippers made 26 three-pointers. Set a franchise record, their own franchise record. Yes. Rightfully so, as you Rightfully said. so. I mean, I can't imagine they <laughs> right. scored 170 Right. <laughs> I mean, before. Yeah. So uh, 60% from the field, 58% from three. You're not supposed Kings to win won. those games. You're not supposed to win games where your opponent shoots 60, 58, and like 85 splits. No, it's it's just ridiculous. I mean, Absolutely. and again, second highest scoring game since, what, 83? I think yep. it was 186, 184. It's yep. just ridiculous. thing I'm most proud of, the Kings now own the Crypto.com building scoring record. Kings of the King. We can, we can, of the Crypt. We can forever hold that, that that building is now owned by the Sacramento. Yeah, Kings own it. We own the record. That game was was pretty incredible. Where does that rank in our all-time NBA Kings memories? We're going to talk about that and more on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sacktown Sports 1140. Finds from the near side by Sabonis. Back to the basket. Here's a little team poke away attempt by Isaiah Joe. Weak side. He protects, gives to Lyles, out to Fox for three. Oh, that could be a dagger. De'Aaron Fox saluting those fans courtside across the way with a salute after nailing the triple that makes it 124 to 112. Minute 30 yet to go. That was the voice of the legend, the one and only Mr. 3000, Gary Gerald. Shout out G-Man. 3,000 games. Wow. That's insane. Wow. I mean, he's literally been doing games since before we were born. Yeah. He's, like a, about a decade before. Right. Not to age yeah. anybody. <laughs> yeah, not to, not to age anybody or us. But uh, the dude has just been he, – he's literally like – he is the voice of the Kings, quite literally. But when you think of so many great Kings memories, it's attached to G-Man's voice right next to it. I mean – there, it's pandemonium in here in Arco Arena. The 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 plays that they uh, the video that they made the video tribute that they made for G Man yesterday was incredible. Um, if you haven't watched that, be sure to check that out on uh, the Sacramento Kings uh, Twitter page. I know it was yeah. on their Twitter page. I'm pretty sure it's on their Instagram page as well. Might be on YouTube. They might have. They might have put. It on I hope YouTube. they put it on YouTube. Yeah. G Man got the chain after yesterday game. Ugh. That that was on YouTube. That as got well. me, man. In my feels. Dude, it really did. That was so great. A little choked up. Yeah. It was. It was great to hear Mike talk about G Man to give you know explaining why he got the chain and then yeah the, the video of. Of G-Man getting the chain, being recognized by the whole team, seeing people dap him up, getting to close the locker, you know, getting the the break, the huddle break yep. was was that was so awesome together on three. Um, he deserves it all. He deserves it all. I mean, like, th- think about how bad the Kings have been for. I mean, while they've been in Sacramento, I mean, they've had what about eight years of nine years of actual nine, success. nine playoff appearances, I right. think. And uh, in, in sac- the first year they heard they made the playoffs, I think maybe eight eight times after. No, ten. Because they had 85, 80, 84, 85, 85, 86, whatever, the first year. Then they had rattle Seattle. Then they had eight in a row. So 10 years out of what? We're going on out 38 years? Eight years that he has had decent basketball. And he's been the light. I mean, I said on in my recap last night, he's been a constant light. 
among these years of darkness. This man deserves everything. Yeah. He's just the best. He's an absolute professional. Uh, what he brings every night. I mean, we have the pleasure of being around G-Man uh, in the media dining room. We have dinner with him most yeah. nights at Golden One Center. And every night, the stories he tells, just how how kind he is, the man is just a legend. Yeah, he's he's one of the nicest men you'll ever meet in your life. Uh, so genuine, you know. I I had the opportunity of uh, of doing you know pre, post, and halftime for for some Kings games earlier this year. You know, G Man knows us. You know, he knows me from sitting at the table for dinner. We you know exchange pleasantries for sure. But you know, we've never had in depth conversations or anything like that. And G Man was just so gracious, so so kind. Uh, so welcoming to somebody who's just trying to figure it out on the broadcast. And, you know, he's at that point done 2,000 plus broadcasts and here's some guy doing his first. And, you know, he treated me no differently than he would treat Jason or Henry or Scott or anyone who, mm-hmm. who's doing that thing. So, um, you know, just, just one of a kind, like just absolutely one of a kind. And you mentioned the fact that he was able to <laughs> to just last through those terrible years that he had to do. I mean, he had to call some 20-win game seasons. He's had to call some of the worst basketball you've ever seen. 50-point blowouts. 50-point like, yeah. Blo- yeah, trying to keep – how do you keep a radio broadcast entertaining when a team is down 30 and this is their 50th loss of the season? I don't know how, but G-Man somehow – some way found a way to do it and uh you know every you you can just feel that he still loves to do it there's no end in sight for that dude like he 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 legitimately like we've seen him in the media dining table coughing a lung out and the dude will still go on the broadcast on you have to yank him off the the broadcast puts on a show puts on a show as well yeah. i mean how long he's been doing it and i mean people at at, at his age too i mean it's incredible yeah. it's incredible and he's doing it still at a High level. Yeah. Complete high level. Yeah. That's the thing. Not slowing down at all. If you put it with the TV broadcast, it's step for step. No, and he's traveling with the team. I mean, mm-hmm. well, TV didn't get to travel for a while. G-Man's out there. Yeah. He's out there. And I think this, the professionalism he brings and what he's been doing, what he means to the Kings fandom, I mean, right. the organization, it's, it's, it's just you can't really... Say much more. Or less, they're so. gonna they're gonna hang his uh, a banner in the rafters for sure. They need to. I, I would think so. I mean, you know, Chick Hearn. I know has has a is has his name up in the rafters at, at Crypto. Uh, I think I saw when we were in Salt Lake City that the the um, what's their name the Jazz have, yes. have their uh, broadcaster up in the rafters. Yeah. I would love for G-Man to to have a moment and maybe, you know, maybe they do it on the next home game. Maybe they do it in a couple of years. Maybe they do it when G-Man, if he eventually retires. With, but, what the Kings do, I think they'll probably honor him. I would imagine yeah. the next home game. At least maybe, you know, maybe that media dining room that we get to yep. eat. Maybe, maybe they name it after him like what they did with Jerry Reynolds. Yes. But I, I think it's just going to be so cool to... I mean, we're going to be able to tell, you know, in 30, 40 years, if G-Man's name is up in the rafters, we can say, like... Hey, we broke bread with that guy. We laughed with that guy. We talked with that guy. I got to do a broadcast with that yep. guy. Like, it's, it's just a definition of a legend. We can literally go on and on and on. And above you. all, the man deserves to call some playoff games. I mean, that <sighs> we'll voice talk need, about it. needs to needs to call yeah. some playoff games. And that's something I know that uh, over the past couple of years, I think talking to Jason Ross, that was what, you know, through Jason, that's what G-Man told him. Like, he right. wants to call some playoff games. Yeah. And the Kings have to finish off the season strong, but... The fact that they're doing this and, and he's hitting this milestone and the, all these things are happening while they're on that road to the playoffs will make yes. that so much more valuable. The fact Absolutely. that G-Man can have a 3,000th you know, 3, call of his mm-hmm. career and call some Kings playoff games because him right. being in a packed Golden 1 center, describing the atmosphere with his words is just something I need to have happen. I need yeah. it to happen. And for game 2,999 to be 
the game that it was on Friday, the second highest scoring NBA game in history. It just what, just what incredible, how incredible, what a, an incredible coincidence for that to be. Um, and just an honor, I'm sure for G man to be able to call such an incredible game. I'd be curious to ask his opinion on where that ranks in his mind in terms of like all time games that he's called. He's obviously witnessed, you know, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan and all, all of the greats. Um, you know, he's, He's been there for it all. I'm curious where where that game ranks among for him. Do you have any thoughts on, you know, we'll we'll start with Kings memories. Is that your f- most fond, at least regular season Kings memory? I'd imagine maybe Bibby's game winner so, uh, ranks higher or something. I know that Bobby Gerald, G-Man's yes, son, G-Man's he did son. put out sending a tweet a couple of nights ago after the Clippers game that he was talking to, to mm-hmm. his dad. He was talking to G-Man about some games that came to mind. And some games that come to mind – the Bulls game, down 35, that was a game. I, right. I remember watching that game. I think yes. I, was, I was in high school. That was a very bad Kings team. Awful, awful. And I had the game on, and my friends were just like, turn it turn off, it man. Off. This yeah. is garbage. <laughs> this is trash. And I'm like, okay, i got to finish it out. we got to yeah. see. The, they're down by 25 now, but you guys don't get it. They're yeah. down by 35. Now they're down by 25. Yep. Uh, that was an incredible game. Uh, the 86 Arco game where Bird misses both free throws. Sure, yeah, I heard a lot about that one. Incredible. I mean, seeing the, the highlights of those, and that's, like I think, what made Arco – that kind of was one of the first games that gave Arco its right. um, thunder name. Thunder name. Yes. Um, obviously, there's the – I'm looking at this right here. Tony Delt game was one. Oh, the 50-point Tony Delt. Yeah, that's interesting. He had 50, what, 57, 53, point, 53 points against the Kings. Overtime. Right? Um, there's a 3 OT game in Toronto, which I've seen the highlights of that one. That Triple overtime point. in Toronto. Uh, Peja had 39. Vince wow. Carter had 38. Uh, you have the road win over the Mavericks in 03 in overtime. Sure. Um, and then you have, obviously, there's a bunch of Kings-Lakers games, obviously, in the right. playoffs. But that was the list that uh, Bobby and, and G-Man thought up. But That's not even mentioning, like, you know, some of DeMarcus's 50-point games. Yes. I don't know if, you know, I don't know how fondly G-Man remembers those. Or Tyreek at the Horn. Tyreek at the Horn. A, you know, massive one just as a moment. That's another really terrible Kings team. But to have that moment in there... Um, you know, I was talking in, in a pre-show meeting with uh, with our boss Brian about, you know, where where I think it, you know, what what comes to mind when I think of games that were up to that level, and I definitely it could be because I have a little bit more you know emotional attachment to this Kings team, but to me it's like right up there with some of the legendary you know NBA Finals games. Like when I think of just from an entertainment st- standpoint, if you were to just put this game on from start to finish. That's as entertaining to me as like a Warriors Cavs game seven. Yeah. yeah, it's I would definitely for the stakes have that Warriors Cavs game seven up there but because the stakes though. I mean, yes, that, absolutely. That, that's maybe the best finals game of yeah. all of all yeah. time. Maybe yeah. I mean I'm not sure. The so Ray Allen three maybe, was pretty. Yeah. It was an incredible moment. I don't remember too much about that overall game, but yeah, and I guess the the games between the Cavs and Warriors weren't like really neck and neck like yeah. Game Seven was because there were a lot of blowouts right. in that series. Yes. Yeah. So maybe it wasn't the greatest series, but that Game Seven is one that really sticks out to me. But right. no, Kings Clippers. I think it's up on that. I mean, it's Game in, Seven in that tier. I think Game Seven of uh, 2016. Yes. Oh, I, I think it's like in that tier of I, you know. Again, I don't know if I'd put it up there for for what? you know the stakes were a little <laughs> a little bit more significant. Whenever that game comes up, like my YouTube queue, mm-hmm. like oh 
Game Seven highlights. If it's five minutes long, I, I always watch it. Yeah. I always watch it because I want to feel what I felt when I watch it that day. It was incredible. I mean, the fact that like nobody scores the final five minutes of that game. Seven, but it doesn't matter except for Kyrie. No, I mean it adds to the drama. Yeah, the block, the chase yeah. down block, LeBron. But it's almost like the complete op- inverse of that Kings Clipper game where people can't miss for no one's five missing. minutes, and then you know Game Seven, people you know, nobody for, makes it. The the biggest I think stretch of misses for the Clippers came in double overtime. With about three minutes left. I think that, yeah, the Kings, Kings ended the game on a 7-0 7-0 run. 7-0 run. Yes, they did. So yeah. that, I don't think the Kings had a 7-0 run in the whole game yeah. <laughs> until then. No, absolutely. I, so. I completely agree. Uh, we're going to talk, you know, the Kings played more than just one game uh, this past weekend. We're going to talk about the Kings' victories over OKC and Portland. Coming up on the other side of the break, you're listening to Sacktown Sports 1140. Chris, who chooses the uh, the update music? That's a, I don't know. It's pretty intense. <laughs> I know Deuce and Moe fun of it all the time, but it's definitely a little a little bit intense. I don't know if I don't know if that's necessary. I def- this is definitely a lot more of my vibe. Welcome to the updates. Do your sock out sports. Updates. <gasps> okay. Anyway, sorry. Kind of put that out there. Um, man, we're having too much fun. <laughs> having way too much fun. <laughs> King's Thunder. <laughs> I know, right. Uh, yeah, but seriously, King's Thunder. King's Thunder was last night. Uh, they also play the Portland Trailblazers on Thursday. Uh, can't forget about that game. Damian Lillard, Chris mentioned, uh, rested that game. Um, not really for any specific reason besides seems like pettiness and or just general rest. Uh, super interesting, but the common through line with those two games is the Kings play two teams who are on the edge of the uh, the play-in race. Uh, without their stars, and I think for moments in in both games, it you know the outcome was maybe questionable at, at for 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 moments, but inevitably the Kings did pull out the victories and uh, beat two teams that record wise I think you would say that they should take care of. Have any thoughts on you know the Kings' minor struggles in those games and the eventual pulling out of it? Yeah, quick side note, Matt George is in the chat. Oh, God. ABC's TV's Matt George in the chat. Hello, Matt. What's up, Yogi? You got, you got the attention you want. Yogi Bear. Uh, look, the games are too precious right now to look at and think that the Kings can let – I know, he's, Matt is going in the chat. Crazy. This guy's crazy. Uh, you have to win the games that you quote-unquote should win. And yes. as impressive as the win against Dallas was, as impressive as the win against the Clippers was, as very impressive as that one very. was, mind you, you look at the Kings who have fallen short so many times against teams that are missing players. Right. And – for someone that's this close to the playoffs, I mean, we're in March, day after tomorrow. Like, the season is winding down. We, we, you, you can't keep having these games like, okay, Kings lose another game to a team that's missing two, three starters. Yep. Portland was missing four starters. And they start the game, what, in a 22-6 hole? Yes. <laughs> and I think we were just – I didn't feel stressed. I kind of You kind of, like, know they're going to make a run. It yeah. wasn't, like, the same feeling as the Dallas game when the Kings were down by – it was 45-25 after the first quarter. It had a different feel. But it's not encouraging when you see a team get down that quick because that happens against teams that are healthy, and if they are uh, you know, at full health, 
it's not going to be as easy to recover. But the Kings did recover. They beat the Blazers. They beat them in uh, pretty convincing fashion. It was fashion. convincing, yeah, by the end of it for sure. They completely brought the hammer down. And then last night was a game to me. I mean, OKC has been, a, a, I'll say, a good team this mm-hmm. season. They are not the Oklahoma scrappy, City Thunder. at least. They're yeah. scrappy. I mean, they're, they're on the hunt. They're a game and a half out of the plan right now. And obviously, Shea Gilgis has been a huge part of that. And him being out, to me, makes it a game that the Kings need is a strong word. But you need to win these games. Yeah. You, you, you're so close right now. They're the third seed. They have a three-game cushion now for Phoenix, which we'll talk about a little Crazy. later. That happens because you take care of these games. Mm-hmm. You win these games. You create the space you need. You put teams like Phoenix, the Clippers, and Dallas in a position to where they are in must-win situations. And the fact that the Kings are doing that consistently, three games in a row, uh, I think they've won six of their last ten after kind of struggling for a little bit there. The recovery's been nice to see. Yeah, definitely. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off the point you just made there. It's so key for them to be taking care of these games that against teams that they quote unquote should be beating. I mean, they have so many you know so many more games against the best opponents in this league. They have uh, another one against Denver. They have some games against Phoenix, some games against Dallas, another game against the Clippers as well. Um, you know, and then some of the better teams in in the East as well. Like we can't forget this team still has to play Boston and Milwaukee. Um, I think that they've played the Sixers twice already. If They're I'm done, mistaken. thankfully. Yeah, thankfully. I uh, have another game against the Knicks, which we'll talk about a little bit uh, in, in a little bit. But, you know, they, they have some so many games against legit teams in this league that they're going to – hey, they're going to lose a couple of them, if not half of them. You know, there's there's a good shot. The Kings have not fared well so far this season against teams above 500. If they can finish 500 against the, those those teams – that's great as long as they continue to take care of the opponents that they're supposed to beat. And it's a lot easier said than done, as as we all know. Every single night, you have to take the game on an individual-by-individual individual basis. You know, you can't just chalk up, oh, the Kings just beat OKC, so they're going to beat them again uh, tomorrow as mm-hmm. well. Like, you, you're going to have to go into that game. We don't know if Shea's going to be playing. Um, but the point is, you have to come out every single night with that kind of focus that we've seen from this team uh, ever since coming out of break, it really truthfully does feel like you can tell that these guys have kind of ratcheted up a notch since the All-Star break. You heard Terrence Davis talk on Thursday about how he was thinking during the All-Star break about, wow, like these guys, like we haven't, we're about to do something that hasn't been done here in 16 years. I think these guys really do understand not just from you look at the West and your every you know your your everyday regular regular franchise and you're trying to compete for for a playoff spot in in a very tight tough Western Conference. On top of all that, you're the only team that has a 16 year playoff drought attached to it. There's nothing that you can go back on to be like, hey, like remember two years ago when we were in this same situation and pulled through. Like you have nothing, no experience that you have to fall back on, and for them so far to come out with the intensity they have, it's it's really surprising to me. It's just not something that I thought that they would be able to to take up to another notch. But they've really met the competition since the break head on, and and they've they've played really. I would say, with the exception of the OK, I don't think they played too well against OKC, which almost makes it a better win in my opinion because. If you're a good team, you can't always play your best basketball. Sometimes you're going to you're going to have to scrape it out and on your not your best night, you're going to have to figure out how to win games and I think that's what they did. Well, give them some credit. I mean, Oklahoma City in the third quarter. The third quarter was what? Is that when they scored 40? They scored 40 on 8 Scary. of 12 from 3. <laughs> 
Yeah, Isaiah. Yeah, and Isaiah Joe. They were wondering when's he gonna oh get going. Goodness. Did you hear that? When, when is he gonna get going? He had about twenty eight there night. Yeah. Okay, well he got going. He got going. He, he got, got going. going. <laughs> he so definitely got. He going. got going, and and obviously they, they responded. Yeah. But uh, the game to me was the Kings were on the verge of putting them away. Mm-hmm. They were double digit lead. Seemed like it was kind of going that way. I kind of thought they were gonna maybe go on cruise control. And Isaiah Joe said no. Yeah. So the fact they were able to kind of rebound from that fourth quarter. I, I think I tweeted they're going to need fourth quarter Fox tonight. Yep. Turns out, I mean, and Fox did chip in. He had seven points in the fourth quarter, but Trey Lyles missed her fourth quarter Man, last night. Sometimes I watch Trey Lyles and I'm like, do I, do I love you? Like, I, it's Trey. <laughs> Mac, Max Extension? I, bro, <laughs> I'm ready to, to give it all to Trey because he sometimes just, he, he is so perfect coming off the bench. What do you think about. I think we we saw in the Clipper game a little bit before Sabonis fouled out. Uh, Trey them go to Trey Lyles at the five. They've gone to Trey Lyles at the five a couple times in some key situations, especially recently. Where are you right now on the Chemezi Metu versus Trey Lyles at the backup five? Is it uh, matchup based? Is it kind it's, of? It's got to be matchup. He's got it going that night. It's got to be matchup based, right? Because when you look at Oklahoma City, they don't really have a true center. Right. They don't have. I think uh, last night they started, or the other night it was Jalen Williams started at center. Yep. Yeah. I think I think he's six seven, six yeah. six. I think I think this on the telecast the shortest uh, starting center in the NBA this year, the shortest player to be started at the center mm. slot. So that's ideal. For Trey Lyles, who I believe is six seven, six six. So that works. But when you play other teams that have, you know, against the Clippers, you have Plumlee coming off the bench. Throwing Lyles at Plumlee, that's kind of a tough matchup. And mm-hmm. well, I would again, I'm in the camp of Holmes or Metu. I think Holmes still yeah. does. I it's crazy to me. Second half of the season, we have seen zero Rashawn Holmes even still. Yeah, I mean, maybe we will. And Chemezi again has played well mm-hmm. the past couple of games, and I'm willing to he see has. this through. And he, I think he deserves a shot until he proves he doesn't. Mm-hmm. But it's got to be matchup based. If they, if they're playing teams with small ball lineups, Trey Lyles is perfect for that situation because yeah. the Kings have been a good small ball team this season. They've had to because they don't have a backup center. Uh, so Trey Lyles, though, that shows you last night exactly what he can bring in that yeah. role. And, I mean, last night in the fourth quarter alone would have been a good stat line for him. Ten points, four rebounds, three assists, three or four from the field. That's a good stat line. That was the fourth quarter by himself. Yeah. His ability to stretch the floor, to me, offensively, is what makes him uh, – what can make him such a valuable piece, especially in the right situation in the playoffs. Like, if you're able, you know, just – to play the Minnesota Timberwolves, perfect example. If you can put Trey Lyles as your backup five, that's how teams get Rudy Gobert off of the floor. And that's really the importance of having somebody like Trey Lyles be your backup five. It's not necessarily him doing the traditional center stuff. It's not him getting double-doubles, getting 10 rebounds in a game. Not about, you know, protecting the rim is definitely a bonus of that, but it's about his ability to stretch the floor and pull centers like Rudy Gobert, like Mason Plumlee, out of the paint and leave wide open lanes for De'Aaron and Malik Monk and and the Kings cutters to to get open at the paint. And I think that, to me, is the biggest benefit of playing Trey, but I think I agree with you that it seems like this coaching staff does take it on a night-to-night basis and really does take into account the matchup figure of it all. Yeah, and you have to. I mean, again, the Kings, it's weird because they are a deep team, but their only position that they're not really deep in is the big spot. I mean, especially what Terrence Davis has been doing. Terrence Davis has really taken a step forward and been productive off the bench. Mm -hmm. These are things the Kings need. They couldn't just go into this playoff chase with only Malik Monk being that contributor. They need guys like Trey Lyles to contribute. Davion Mitchell 
give him some credit. He's taken a step forward on the defensive end, and he's been a little more aggressive on offense. Some shots have been falling. It's not what you want to see from him ideally. He's not quite there yet, but he's taking steps forward. He's progressing. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, TD, Mitchell, Lyles, Monk, the Kings have four players at the bench right now that I feel confident. Like, I'm confident in those guys. Yeah. Like, I, I really do trust those guys right now. Now, Chemezi and Rashawn, we'll see what happens, but Chemezi's playing good minutes, and until that changes, Kings shouldn't mess with, with, with what they're, what's working. I think they see, I see people on Twitter saying, Kevin Hurd's been struggling. It's time to switch up the starting lineup. Why? <laughs> yeah. This is work. The Kings yeah. are playing well with what they have going right, right now. Why would you change that up? I mean, I like Malik Monk off the bench and yeah. closing games is different than starting. Yeah, it's way different. Definitely, and I, I, I don't think Kevin Herter has played you know incredibly, and I don't think he's he's played up to starter quality. But I don't think that it's time to necessarily change the rotation. His numbers are still good, right? Exactly on the season, they're right. still good. The body of work is. Is there. It's there, and he's just going through a cold. Like these guys are gonna, they're not gonna be hot for eighty-two games, and you know they're gonna go through their slumps. And I think clearly, if you watched uh, All Star Saturday, Kevin is is definitely going through a slump right Slumping. now. But he's trying to work through it. He's it's not like he's missing everything. And again, like I think the the thing that I've been most impressed of impressed with with Kevin Herter this year is that he's not just a three point shooter. He does really hunt two point shots as well as his three point shots, especially if it's not falling. The Kings aren't going to uh, earn that three seed on their own. They're going to have to have some help from around the league. We take a look at some of the other teams in the Western Conference on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sacktown Sports 1140. Live and local. Live and local. This is Sacktown Sports. Final segment, Chris Watkins, Frankie Carticelli. Great pronunciation. It's not hard to say. It's not. It's not hard to say. If, if you're not, you just read it. I mean, if you, I, Carticelli, I get it. It's but not Car- hard to spell. I mean, maybe we've been doing a podcast now for like four or five years. It's so a running gag, like though. It's spell a, it. It's a running thing here. Yeah. People don't say it. Chris, you have you have the drop the Frankie Cascarelli. I mean, there's there's like there's. I don't think he does. Yeah, he, he definitely. Chris Chris has Chris has everything. Anything anyone Frankie told you. <laughs> Chris has everything anyone has ever said on this airway in some somewhere, some way. He 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 can dig it up. Right. Uh yeah, it's not that hard, man. It's not that hard. I appreciate it. I know. You've said like you're gonna want to change your last name for it. Like, I'm not gonna change it. I said that? No. Yeah, yeah no, you're no, like, no. am I gonna have to no, change Nick, my last name? Oh yeah, I, I questioned it. I think Nick was saying to change it or change it on Twitter or something. I was like, no. No. No, it's not, it's just I not, like my name. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Anyways. Uh, anyways, let's take a look around the league. As I mentioned, uh, coming out of the break, the Kings are, uh, you know, they can they can win as many games as they want. I mean, unless they want to win literally every single game. They're going to need some help from across the league. It's not just going to have to be them in order to secure their playoff spot. You and I were just talking in the break. It kind of feels like now the Kings are trending towards safely a top five seed. I mean, it. you know, obviously there's a lot of seasons still to be played out. Mm-hmm. But when you look at uh, the fact that the Kings now have acquired a three-game cushion between the three seed, them, the Sacramento Kings, and the four seed right now, which is the Phoenix Suns, uh, they're, they're three games back. There's only so much time, and Kevin Durant still isn't back. And then, you know, Dallas seems to still be figuring it out. The Clippers have a very, you know, the Kings have a tough schedule. The Clippers also have a very tough schedule and haven't performed well against some of the better teams in this league. Dare I say, like, things are 
things are kind of looking optimistic for the Kings. I think you have to look at this standings and uh, the way that they've came out of the break and really feel good about the way things are heading, right? Yeah, if anyone out there was staring at the standings last night for an hour before going to sleep, you're not alone. Couldn't I imagine. did that as well. It's yeah. so fun looking at them right now. But I will say they have put themselves in a great position, but March is going to be a tough month. You look at who they have coming up. They have next weekend a big back-to-back, a home back-to-back. Golden One's going to be packed. Clippers, Minnesota. That's Clippers game on Friday. I'm looking at that one. But yeah. after that, there's about a couple of games there. You have the Knicks, which we talked about. TNT game. TNT game. Kings moved to How TNT. They boot Warriors, Grizzlies. Yeah. For Kings, Knicks. Well, they played, uh, who the Warriors played last night? They, played, they put the Warrior game on last oh, night. Oh, they played Minnesota on yeah, ESPN. I thought that was like, it was like, why? That, that didn't need to be on ESPN. But the Kings have like, you know, coming into the season, how would anyone know? I mean, we didn't even know. No. Nobody knew the Kings yeah. were going to be, they're top three with a month to go. Right. So no one knew that. They're getting the respect they deserve. They were a talking point in All-Star Weekend. We know that people around the league are taking notice of them. And they, of course, are playing the Knicks, who are the New York Knicks. So you get the East Coast aspect of it. People are going to know who they are. I mean, they're going to continue to know if the Kings keep winning. But I'm looking at the upcoming stretch. You have the New York game after New Orleans. You have Phoenix, Milwaukee. There's about a week stretch if the Kings can get through that and have their head above water. I feel really confident. Then they go play teams like Utah. Uh, They play Minnesota. They have a back-to-back against Portland, San Antonio. There are winnable games down that stretch, but they need to show that they can keep their head above water against those heavy hitters. But Mm -hmm. they put themselves in a good position. They have a little bit of a cushion. As we, as we said, they have a three-game lead over the fourth-seed Suns right now. They have a four-game lead over the six-seed Mavericks. Yeah, And, and then it's different. Like in baseball, I think we talked about it. In baseball, there's a four-game gap. You can close that in, in a four series. Days. You're right. You yeah. can close that within a series. Basketball is a little tougher. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the teams chasing the Kings need to win on a nightly basis, and the Kings need to play uh, above 500 basketball. Like That's pretty much the way that it needs to go if they're going to get caught. But if the Kings finish the year, what, 22 games, 12 and 10? I think they're a top six seed, mm-hmm. which I don't think is too much to ask for. No, I don't think so either. Like, especially with again how they've came out of the gate, it, it feels like they they have a different level of focus. And you know what their record was against teams below five or above five hundred at the first two thirds of the season. I I have a tough time believing that they'll struggle that much in the uh, in the final third of the season. And you mentioned how difficult it is to to catch up on games, a four game lead which the Kings have on on the six six seed Mavericks right now. That's like two weeks, yeah, to realistically come back. So, right now, Father, you know, time is time is on the Kings Kings side right now. They control their destiny. They absolutely control their huge. destiny, which is exactly where you want to be. And no the, chasing, you know. If the Kings go on a, a losing streak, you know, <laughs> you know. To be fair, the Memphis Grizzlies right now are playing the worst basketball that they've played all year. I think they've lost they had a good uh, game ten of night, their though. last fifteen games, and they're still, you know, they've they've slid for sure. The Kings are now only a game and a half. Out of the two seed, which you know, I, I I don't feel comfortable talking yet about the Kings potentially getting that two seed. But uh, you know, if the Kings struggle, there's definite opportunity. Like let's let's you know, we're we're painting things in a positive light not? right I mean, now. But why? I'm saying why not? No, I mean every, totally. everything's on the table. One hundred. The Kings jumping to two is on the table. Them falling out of the top six is on the table. But the point is, they have a more likely chance. Yeah. Based on where they're on the standings, yep. and knock on wood, everybody, yep. if the Kings stay healthy. Why can't they be there? Yeah. I mean, in Minnesota, too, their schedule coming up, they have some tough games. They have Denver, the Clippers, the Lakers have been playing well. Golden State could have Steph back. Dallas twice. They have some tough games coming up, so why not? Yeah, no, why not us? It's not. It's something. Is that Coach, it's, is that coach Nick? Yeah, why, why, why not? not? Yeah, why exactly. not? It's We're Coach Nick. Going to, uh, to do some uh, why not? Why not the Sacramento Kings? And I think 
uh, that's really just it's a mindset change that we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to flip for the remaining games. It's just you know it. There's been so many times I heard Dave talk about it uh, right before they went off, where it's like, you know, in the past it doesn't. It, yeah, the Kings would have a really uplifting win against the Clippers, and then you would see that they would lose these these games to the OKCs and let that Blazers game slip on by. But um, you know, the Kings had that that period early in the year where they lost to Charlotte and then lost to uh, to the Wizards. That feels like hopefully they learn from that situation and they don't let that happen again. You're getting played off like at the, Os- like played, at the Oscars. Know, Real quick, uh, De'Aaron Fox, player of the week. You think so? Yes, no, maybe so? It feels like it. I mean, he's got seven straight games of 30-plus. Kings haven't lost since they've came back from the All-Star break. That's usually a big big indicator of uh, you know player of the week status. I think so, De'Aaron Fox. We'll see. Western Conference. About two hours, we'll find out. Really? I think All so. All right. Well, uh, that'll be breaking during Deuce and Mo. Please don't turn that dial anywhere. Deuce and Mo are bringing you uh, from 11 o'clock to 2 o'clock. I think I will be joining them for the first hour. So uh, stay tuned right here on Sacktown Sports 1140.